Tim, I'm just on Twitter here and I've seen this post come up from Sydney FC asking for jersey wallpapers with name and number. And guess who's commented on it? Mate, I wouldn't have a clue. Yes, you would. It's Tim Lanarvella, our own special guest once here again. It's a bit of a stitch up. I'll tell you what, I'm not a Sydney FC fan. I just wanted to see what their uh, their social media process was. <laughs> well, there's only 50 people allowed to reply back first 50, so you're robbing someone of a free wallpaper. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's if you say it like that, it's probably not very good. But uh, yeah, that's terrible. If someone reaches out to me and they want one done, I reckon I could get it uh, sorted on Photoshop. Oh, good man, good man. You heard that first. <laughs> All right, so Timmy, Corona struck again. Yep, Corona struck again. Now the ban is out until the thirty first of May. What are we going to do? I don't know, to be fair. I mean, just probably what I've been doing an awful lot, playing football manager, playing FIFA, uh, doing uni work. It's, a, it's, a, it's tough at the moment, yeah. Have you won the league on football manager yet? Uh, yes. Interestingly, I've got to, got to say with uh, ex-FSC reporter Cal Barrett, um, oh. did actually uh, beat him in the first season. We got an A-league save. Um, did actually uh, pick up the victory in uh, in that one. We won't, we won't be talking about the, the next season because he, he cheated a bit, but... You know, that's, that's uh, yeah. That's always the case, isn't it? It is, mate. It is. That's terrible. One, uh, one manager of the year as well, actually. You did. Yeah. You did. Very nice. Very nice. No wonder you're such a football holocaust. Exactly right, mate. Exactly right. I've got the experience and the knowledge. There we are. All right. So we're just going to quickly read out this statement from Football New South Wales. Obviously, the band's been extended 31st of May. So in light of ongoing development since its original announcement, such as stricter measures imposed by the federal government, the temporary suspension to sanctions grassroots football competitions and associated training would remain in place until at least the 31st of May. Deal, we all knew it was going to happen, but this one's hit home. Yeah, I guess realistically this was always going to happen, but it's still sad that it has happened because that's when it really hits home. Interestingly enough, I saw a tweet earlier on today by Andy Park, who was a reporter for ABC, who's, who was uh, reporting on New South Wales Police Commissioner Nick Fuller, who said that these lockdown laws that were, that are currently in place, that I believe came into place a couple of days ago, uh, will last for 90 days, which obviously goes well beyond that May 31 suspension mark. So, uh, yeah, it's not really surprising, but sad nonetheless. Yeah, so realistically, I'll ask you first, Tim. Uh, realistically, do you see a 2020 where this football season goes ahead now? Well, uh, I mean, it, it. I guess not. And and I guess for especially Illawarra, Illawarra football, we're in a, a pretty good position, position, I'd say, considering the season hasn't actually started yet. Um, but I think that in terms of 2020, we're probably not going to see any football, I think it'd be silly to, to, to play the season on. But again, it, it really depends on, on how this pandemic plays out. But looking at the way it's gone so far, it, it, I just see a very lo- a small chance of that being the case, yeah. And your take on it, Dil? Uh, in regards to whether football will be played this year? Yep, is there a 2020 vision where you can see football being played this year? Only if they play it over summer, which is a... A suggestion that I mooted uh, a couple of podcasts ago, but I don't see that happening. So, um, no, I, I can't see football being played this year, uh, which which is a, a shame. But there's also the there's also the fact that I don't know if 
there'd be many clubs, say an IPL level, that would be prepared to launch straight away into a season if the if a time period was able to open itself up, which um, is a shame in itself. That's for financial reasons as well, as well as, you know, players won't just be able to get a week's notice and, and start playing. And you see at a professional level the amount of um, issues that are going on for the AFL, NRL and A-League. It seems that if they're gonna if they're gonna struggle to get their product, their players out onto the field, I think it's gonna be even an even longer wait for for the grassroots levels such as the IDL, IPL, women's first division in, in this region. Yeah, so we were chatting about it last night about all the visa players who all come out here every year and they've come out here now getting ready for the season, but currently they've got no income because there's no football. And some of them have now gone home, apparently, Dill. Can you tell us any word that you've heard about that? Well, yeah, that's a really tough position for the visa players in this in this competition. Obviously, everyone's aware that Japanese the Japanese players in the league have been a very significant part of the competition in recent years. And at the moment, they're really in limbo as to what they do because it's really... Realistically, as we've said, there isn't going to be any football this year. And they're currently, I'm not too deep into the weeds on it, but I don't know if they will be eligible for any sort of government support. And if they can't work and they can't play, they've got no money coming in, which means that they're in a very vulnerable position. I understand that the Japanese players from Winuna have already decided to go home. And and as well as uh, one of the players from Wollongong Olympic, who I was actually told... A flight back to Japan, he flew back to Japan about a week ago and a one-way ticket was four grand, which is absolutely extortionate. I'm pretty sure that in normal times you could probably get return tickets for about half of that. So it just shows how what sort of predicament they're in because I don't I don't know any of these players personally, but you know, it's not it's not always easy just to stump up, say, four grand for a ticket back home. So it puts them in a pretty tight position and it's quite a sad position really. Um and that's just one of the the outcomes of what has been, you know, an unprecedented uh, circumstance. Yeah, with this situation, surely more visa players are gonna follow suit as well, pending travel restrictions as well, Dill. There's also, you've got to consider visas, uh, what time they run out, and um, if theoretically a semi-season was to start in September, I'm not sure whether all the players would have visas going past that date. I'm not sure when, how that really works. But uh, yeah, there's all sorts of financial, legal, and personal and social health reasons why it's a real predicament for these players. Yeah, if, you, if this season goes ahead somehow later on in the year, I can almost guarantee right now, I don't reckon we'll have any visa players out here playing. And there's also there's also the fact that um, can clubs afford to not only have visa players, but you know be paying the paying their general their their local players as well. So if if the visa players were to stick around, there's a chance that even though there's contracts on the table that um, Clubs just simply won't have the money to pay their players at that point, which is is another thing to consider. And that'll be a flow-on effect to 2021 as well, which is a completely different story. But 
On a lighter note, our episode today is all about debuts. So worldwide debuts, local debuts. We'll be back in just a second. Keep listening to us. All right, guys, I'm going to ask you something really, really weird. Tim, have, you, have any of you two had a quadricep cramp before? I don't even I don't know, know what that is. is. <laughs> you know what a quadricep is? I know what that is. Um, yeah, a cramp. Have you ever had a cramp in your quadricep? I've had it. I've had it in the in the hamstring area, but I've never had it on the on that side. No. Well, it's on the outside of your leg, yeah. Oh my! Yes, I I realise. No, Thank I'm you. asking. I'm asking the question. <laughs> I'm asking the question. Oh, I, thought, I thought I thought you were you were hammering me there. All right, no no worries. Yeah, what what I'm asking is because obviously in our quarantine, I did did my own uh, training yesterday, and must have could either I've been so inactive the last couple of weeks, or I did a really good training session because my quads cramped up for the first time ever. I could not walk. Well, I can't say my uh, quadriceps have ever. I have probably had a cramp in that area, but probably not from football. Yeah, I know. Oh, this wasn't from football. This was uh, bloody weight training. This one. Oh yeah, calm down. Calm down. I didn't, it's leg day. Leg day. You never skip leg day, especially when you're a footballer. Right. On to some serious note. Well, best worldwide debuts. Have you ever experienced a, a quality debut worldwide live before? Any of you guys? Oh, yep. Yeah, I have. And who would that be, Tim? Marouane Fellaini. So, uh, an actual footballer, please? Yeah, Marouane Fellaini, mate. Icon of the game. Okay. Okay. Tell us about it. All right, so it was. Um, it's the, this is the only United game I've ever been to. I was against Crystal Palace in 2013, so uh, David Moyes' first season. Um, huh. uh, I, he didn't really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was an amazing contribution. He played a one-two with Wayne Rooney a couple of times in the middle of the field mm-hmm. yes. uh, after he came on as a sub. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess why it's special to me is it's the the only ever game I've been to at Old Trafford. Um, so yeah. Pretty privileged, um, and obviously had a, a fantastic career at United. Scored a lot of important goals. You you are joking, right? No, mate, I'm not joking. You're not? You're not? Did he That's score a winner against Juventus? Or Juventus, rather, so people don't get angry at me. I, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it technically was his goal, but he was. He, he influenced the goal. It was a, it yeah, was well, a quality goal. Nice. Good team goal, that. Yeah. Have you got another debut by any chance? I do, yeah. This one, this one's a bit more, a bit more serious. Um, and it was uh, oh, good. Anthony Martial's goal against Liverpool in uh, 2015 at Old Trafford. In a, what? You're a <laughs> in a in a three one victory. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, he signed for uh, what was it? Somebody people said 36 million. Apparently, that was uh, it was actually 60 million or something with add-ons. Anyways, um, obviously, it was the famous Daily Mirror waste of money uh, title. Everyone's calling him a flop before he started. Yeah, he comes off the bench to uh, to play up front, and uh, I think uh, Christian Benteke just scored that crazy bicycle kick down the other end to to half uh-huh. the deficit. And uh, all I remember is uh, with Martiali isolated Barton Skirtle, uh, scooped the ball inside, and uh, put and uh, passed the ball into the far corner. And I just remember it was a, a really special goal, um, and it, it was a really good moment because obviously he silenced all the doubters, and there were a lot of them. So uh, yeah. That was a good debut. Has Martial been there for that long? Yes, yes, he's five years. 
Yeah, he's been here a while. It was Van Aal's second season when wow. he uh, signed. Yeah, deadline day time, deal. Time, time flies. Jeez, I didn't realize he was there for that long. <laughs> That's um, back in the days when Liverpool had Billy Christian Benteke leading us up front. Pretty sure yeah, Mignolet a... was in goals as well that day. Oh, what a time! What a time! Dill, what's what are some debuts you've you've experienced in your lifetime? One that comes to mind is it's not quite a debut, but it's a European Championship debut that I was fortunate enough to be at as an eight-year-old at Euro two thousand and four. The opening game of the of that championship was Portugal v Greece, which Greece won two goals to one. However, the person that scored for Portugal in that game in the 93rd minute was one Cristiano Ronaldo, and he was 17 years old at the time. And he was the young starlet coming through for Portugal, and obviously everyone's aware of what he's gone on to achieve. And But at the time, you know, that's even as an eight-year-old, it's... Um, Something I can look back on and say, far out, I've, I've seen I've seen Ronaldo score in the flesh, and it was actually his first goal for Portugal, and he's now targeting the international goal scoring record for for men's football, and he's currently on ninety nine international goals. So to have seen the first one in his first European Championship game, I think it was maybe his third or third or fourth cap for Portugal, was uh, pretty special for me, um, and. Probably away from away from actually seeing games live in terms of in the flesh, one that sticks to mind was Marcus Rashford's debut. Uh, oh, yes. He, he was a late draft into Van Howe's Europa League squad for a game against Michelin in 2016. And... I honestly had never heard of the person of the, of the guy before that, before that game, and I tweeted something out like, "You can't win a game of soccer with a rash up front or something like that." I'll probably need to try and find that. But he went on to score two goals in a five-one win, and three, two or three days later, he actually scored a double and then got an assist against Arsenal in his first Premier League match. So, and now he's one of Man United's best players, and he's a, a fantastic, exciting prospect. So exciting player so that was quite a exhilarating debut and a couple of others uh federico Makeda scored a 93rd minute winner for manchester united against aston villa in 2009 and was hailed as the next wonder kid and unfortunately yeah. for him he didn't quite go on to much but interesting enough he's actually making a decent career of himself out in greece these days so you know fair level and finally uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I'm not a over, massive fan of him, but he's the the myth of of this player is quite incredible. And that goal he scored for in his on his debut for LA Galaxy against LAFC in the inaugural El Trafico derby, that half volley from oh, no. 35, 40 meters out, which is just uh, you know, even if you you're not a big fan of the guy, just the the narrative behind that goal was. Pretty incredible. So yeah, they're they're my they're my four for for this for this uh, segment, and you know a pretty interesting list. Now, Dill, I'm just gonna butt in here for a second because I've picked Ibrahimovic's LA Galaxy debut as well. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. So um, you've got something else. Yeah. Oh no, we'll just chat about that game quickly. So obviously, you're not. You said you weren't the biggest fan of him. Like he he did cause a lot of controversy. He's caused a lot of controversy his whole career, but he is some footballer, though, isn't he? 
tremendous. Um, he's he's a, to have the career he's had without having blistering pace just shows that technically his ability, you know, in terms of his um, skill and finesse on the ball, his hold up play, his ability to bring people in to, into into games and you know, score unbelievable goals. I remember that goal he scored against England in that, yes. I believe it was a friendly, which is tremendous as well. And, uh, you know, he's a phenomenal player. And even now, I think he's 37 or 38 years old, he's still playing for a one of the biggest clubs in the world in AC Milan, even though they're not, you know, at the peak of their powers at the moment. It just shows that he's a, he's a class act in terms of football. I just don't really like his attitude. He's, he's sort of arrogance, obviously... Most people sort of believe it's put on, but you know, take, you can't take anything away from him in terms of being a footballer. And that that goal that he scored in the, his MLS debut was, you know, really tremendous because people were he he basically went over there. He was talking a lot of a lot of nonsense in the in the build up, but fair play to him. He showed up and scored that cracking goal. There's, um, you know, people say there was a foul just beforehand, but but stuff that and. Uh, the commentary of that goal by the the American commentator was tremendous as well. Just uh, encapsulate the moment. Well, he, he he didn't only just score that forty yard screamer. He completely changed that game around. So he got subbed on in the seventy first minute, right? Yeah. Set yep. up a goal two minutes after coming on. Then he scored that screamer. But then he won the game in stoppage time. So he had a hand in three goals. They so he overturned. Two, yeah. He overturned a 3-1 deficit and they ended up winning 4-3. So that just shows the impact of play. He was only on for just over 20 minutes, which is simply incredible at the level. What was he saying? A Ferrari amongst Fiat's. Do you remember when Perth Laurie tried us on? Uh, did that ever happen? Or? Yeah, I do. No, I do. Was it like... um? But it was only for like three games or something, wasn't it? it wasn't and, now like through... and now they're not paying their players properly and staff properly. So interesting times. Yeah. Yeah, that that was never going to happen. But yeah, so Zlatan, he did cause a bit of controversy with his remarks, which uh, eventually led, led towards his departure from the Galaxy, which is, as you said, why he's at one of the world's most prestigious clubs in AC Milan now. My debut... And he's also playing up front for my Italian ultimate team side. So, And, and how many goals did he score for you? <laughs> Uh, he, he's probably played about 10 games and he's gone at about one in every two. But, you know, links up to play well. Still a good player in FIFA, 85 overall. So Not too bad. Doing well. Not too bad. My worldwide debut, now this was only just a couple of months ago. It was Erling Haaland's Borussia mm-hmm. Dortmund debut against Augsburg. So similar to Ibrahimovic's debut against LA, with LA Galaxy. So Dortmund were down 3-1 in the 56th minute, so they brought on this young 19-year-old sensation. He scored three minutes after coming on, scored again in the 70th minute, and he finished his hat-trick nine minutes later. So he's a 19-year-old has scored a debut hat-trick in 23 minutes. Does that get much better, Dil? Well, get much better. the thing that I, that I want to add on to that is Champions League debut for Dortmund. As well, that spring where he scored against PSG, you know, it's, uh, he, he's quite a tremendous player. And something that was mentioned on a podcast I was listening to a couple of days ago, I can't remember the podcast, but there was talk about if um, the the season was to be void in Europe, that people would lose all their individual stats, which 
in the case of Holland would be pretty pretty sad because then you'd just be a you know a random sweet a random Norwegian striker, but he in reality is you know one of the greatest upcoming talents in in world football at the moment. So yeah, he's 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 the last six months of his career has been tremendous, really. And I don't know, do you, he was he also scored ten goals or something in a under. Yeah. 20s World Cup match or something like that. Is that? Yes, I think I think it was a good nine, ten goals. I reckon I can't remember who it was against. I think it might have been oh, Zimbabwe or something like that. But he scored. Like, never, nevertheless, you have to score ten. If you score ten goals against any worldwide opposition, you have to be good. But um, he had that streak of games as well where he, he was averaging, he was scoring every game. How how long, do you know how long that streak of games was by any chance? Because it was a long streak for Dortmund. Uh, I think or it was just overall. So I think he's, it, think he's scoring the first five Champions League games or something like that. It was something like yeah, it was the Champions League. He was uh, with, when, he was, um, when he was with Salzburg as well. I think it was a period of about six, five, six Champions League games in a row where he had Eight scored goals in six matches. Yeah. So yeah, so he scored like every game I think, and it was just for a for a nineteen year old going up against the best of all football was simply international career. Nine goals in a 12-0 win over Honduras in the under-20s. Honduras. Well, there you go. When you're scoring 75% of your team's goals in a 12-0 win, you've got to be half-decent, don't you? Yeah. That's simply incredible. All right. Well, that's our worldwide debuts. Next up is our local debuts. So from around around the grounds in, of the LOR, we're going on local debuts. And, boy, there are some absolute quality debuts coming up. Stay tuned, listen to us on South Coast Football Holly. Hey, Tim, what local debuts have you got? Uh, I've got a total of zero. Why? Well, uh, because I started, I didn't even know the league existed until uh, 2018. So um, haven't really seen much football. Um, haven't really been to an awful lot of games, and um, I'm I'm not very familiar with many of the players. And you want to call yourself a footballolic? Well, I mean, look, you know, football's a broad a broad sport, and uh, I don't yeah, think it yeah. should be uh, left to one very small and specific part of the game. You, I tell you why, you'd be a good politician because you talk a lot of. Shit. Look, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Thank you. Okay, no worries, Mister Arvella. What's your take on this? On Tim's lack of uh, commitment to the cause. No, his political campaigns. I'm not sure he would be able to mount much of a political campaign, I've got to be honest. Fair call. Rightio. Moving on to his actual debuts. None of these have anything to do with Tim Gibson, but Dill, I believe you... We'll start off with you. So what are your local debuts that have come to your mind? Well, before recording, I said that I had three, but I've just jotted down another two, to be fair. But uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, the first that I thought of when you asked me to, to think of some was Sandy Lowcock back in 2016. He made his debut for Port Kembla against South Coast United in round five, scored four goals in a 7-1 win. South wow. Coast United were up 1-0 at halftime. And Jason Bleakley, the United goalkeeper, got sent off early in the second half and basically all turned to 
and Cindy Lokoff was one of the profiteers of that, scoring three goals, including three in the last 15 minutes of the match. So, yeah, and obviously he's been one of the more prolific strikers in the IPL in his time since, and he's off to, he's now playing for South Coast Flame. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, if you're talking about a quality debut, there, there you go. The Illawarra zone, Erling Haaland, yeah, I would much. say, at the time. Not quite as big, but yeah. Oh, in the local sense, of course. What about your other debuts? For the IPL, I've got Caleb Grace, round nine, 2017, Tarawana, oh, yes. Port Kembla. As a 16-year-old, he came off the bench to head home an 85th minute winner to win the game three goals to two. And basically, the reason I love this one is I was able to use debutant Tarawana's saving grace as the headline for the match report. Yes, <laughs> I do remember that match report quite vividly. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's a quality young midfielder, and he went away and played for Flame for a couple of years. I enjoy the way he runs with the ball for a central midfielder. The way he runs with the ball is quite. Uh, interesting to watch, and now he's back at Tarawana, and hopefully, whenever football does get back underway, he can begin to progress. Because I think he's nineteen now. Would he be? Yes. Uh, yes. Him and you know the likes of Tomasello there. That's a that's some good, exciting young midfielders there. And my other IPL debut is Daniel Akaba, the former MPL goalkeeper, who when he came back to play for. Uh, Campbell Warwick Fury, Fury yes. in 2017. He was replacing the injured Mitch Blows, who I believe retired after he picked up the injury that year. He came in and played his first game at night game of Balls Paddock in round 12. Fury were down two goals to nil. McNabb scored a double uh, to level things up. And then Arkaba, who had been pretty solid throughout uh, the game, even despite conceding two goals, one of which came from Marcus Beatty, which was a goal that I think might be the best goal I've seen in the IPL over the last five years. Talk um, us through it. Well, basically, it was a fury corner, whipped into the box. It was headed clear to Dylan Lewis, who chested it down to Marcus Beattie about 20 metres out from his own goal. Marcus ran the ran around two fury defenders to the edge of Camelora Fury's box on the right-hand side of the box and then hit it across Arkaba into the top left corner, which so it was, you know, 80-meter 80 80 run followed by a 20-meter shot. So uh, it was quite quite uh, an impressive effort, really, into coming off the corner. And I think that was to make it 2-0. But, yeah, so McNabb scored a double in the second half to level things up. And Arkaba, who, like I said, had been playing well up until that point, really showed up and made a one-on-one save against Ben McDonald, who, which would have made it 3-2. And then after the game, when I spoke to Fury coach Luke McGuire, um, this, is the, this is the paragraph that I've got written from the, the match, match report. McGuire struggled to come up with enough, enough superlatives to describe the performance of his new number one, who had only been registered with the club in the previous 24 hours. I thought he was outstanding today. He was fantastic in every way, shape and form. And... You know, he was he was tremendous for Fury that year in the second half of that year as they went with him one game of the final because they had a lot of injuries in that side, so he's required to do a lot of uh, pretty spectacular spectacular saves and stops and 
despite being a fairly diminutive goalkeeper, he was capable in the air as well. Uh, and then he went to Coromore the next season, which didn't quite work out for him. And then he had a year off. And hopefully, um, you know, he comes back in because I think he's still probably 22, 23 now. So he's still very young for a goalkeeper. And yeah, I think considering there's a, a dearth of goalkeeping talent in the in the Illawarra, I do hope he comes back uh, sooner rather than later because he's a quality player and that was a quality IPL debut. And they're the three IPL debuts that I've got. I've got a couple more, but uh, I think that you might have... You might pick up one or two of these, so we'll see how see how we go there, Jack. Yeah, just want to touch on uh, uh, Tarbo as well. That that poor Kembler semi final when they played at Memorial Park. I remember that game went into extra time, but I reckon if it wasn't for Archaba, that uh, I don't reckon that game would have gone into extra time. I reckon would have Port would have won that in regular time because Fury were depleted severely that day, and um, if it wasn't for his heroics, I. I wonder how I wonder how deep they would have gone into those finals, considering how depleted they were. <laughs> well, I was, I'm just, I was just I just quickly tried to look up the match report for that particular game, which I couldn't find at first. But um, I was at the game. I don't think I think Cow might have wrote, wrote the report for that. But yeah, there was Fury had two players sent off. Port had to play sent off. Uh, it was quite a dramatic. Was it three two to Port in the It was. Yeah, so Lucci scored the winner. Yeah, and that would have been quite a special moment for him. And, of course, his father, who's the president of the club. Um, and obviously, everyone knows what happened a week later with that, uh, you know, massive underdog performance in the grand final. But that particular game was one of the most... In terms of quality, it wasn't fantastic because both teams had players out for injury and whatnot. But in terms of sort of drama and, um, you know, effort, it was absolutely tremendous. And yeah, Archava played really, really well on that occasion as well. Now, Tim is aware of this local debut. I told him before he came on air. But Dylan, I want you to listen to this and tell me what you think this is. Hello and welcome to the maiden episode of the Football South Coast Weekly Podcast. My name is Dylan Arvella and I am joined by none other than Simon Duffin. How are you going? Do you remember that fondly, Dylan? Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. The debut of Mr. Football South Coast <laughs> no, himself. No, no, no. That was, a, that was a, a, a great project that Simon and I started up. Simon had been reporting for, for a year or two before I got involved. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to get it up and running. But uh, we ended up running it for nearly two years. Um, and... I think the the funny part of that is we actually recorded the pilot the pilot episode, uh, which I think we ended up publishing, but it, we weren't intending to publish it because we put it to Bobby to see if he, he liked it or not, and he, he said, "Yeah, that's great," but we actually had to record it twice because the first time we didn't press the record button. So, uh, <laughs> but um, no, that was fantastic. I think I think the thing that I love about that I really loved about it was the support that I got from local players and coaches who who came in after work and or came in during the day to to football south coast and sat down with me and took the time to go and talk about the issues in the game at the moment and um you know obviously i tried to give chances for opportunities for other reporters to come on and and to give their opinions and thoughts on the games and i i thoroughly enjoyed it um and obviously i went away for i went away to you know, be a 
full-time journalist down in Victoria and I wasn't able to, um, you know, continue on with the podcast. But the time that I spent doing that was 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 really rewarding and I thought it taught me a lot. You know, the equipment that I had was, was pretty basic. I had a, you know, a $100 microphone and a, and a notepad and sort of go on with it. So the, the sound quality might not have been fantastic, but I, I think that um, most people that listened to it and gave me feedback were... Were, were really encouraging and uh no that was that was uh pretty tremendous and yeah very fond memories of starting that up now you touched on some reporters who joined you in that show i want to ask you who was your favorite guest on the show <laughs> favorite reporting guest or favorite um favorite general guest all right i'll ask reporting guests first and then we'll ask you general guests afterwards all right um reporting guest um I've got to say cow because he kept showing up when I when I needed someone to bail me out. So I'll give it a cow bearer first. But you know he's he's a he's a hardworking guy and he's doing his he's he's now on to bigger and better things out in Griffith. And best of luck to him. He's a he's a good he's a I like to consider him a good friend of mine. We uh, went to uni together. Um, met through a, a guy called Matt Jensevsky. So I'll, I'll forward this to him to to have a listen as well. Um, yeah, he's the mastermind behind this podcast as well, publishing this yeah, podcast. True, true. He's a he's a yeah. jack of all trades. Um, what's that? What's that game that we were playing, Tim, with the the ball and the car? <laughs> oh, Rocket League, Rocket yeah, League, Rocket League champion and whatnot. Uh, no, he was he was good. But we had. Did you come on the show, Jack? At all? No, I didn't. No, yeah, no, that was all my Tim, reporting days. Tim had a, was on there a few times. Um, um, Jordan Warren, of course, came on it for a couple of times, and yeah, there's a. I'm trying to think, there would have been a few more. Obviously, Simon was there for the first season um, before he moved to Victoria. Um, you know, Nathan Turner. Nathan, Nathan Turner. Turner. Yep, we've we had a couple of shows where we had about four or five reporters in, just going, just sort of chewing the fat, and it was good because I think it's 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 a. Uh, one of the things with Football South Coast and and Bobby, who's of course our boss, and he runs the well, not my boss anymore, but but you guys when you were writing for Football South Coast, um, and he's obviously the competitions manager. He 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 sort of gives you if you're if you're willing to put something to him, he'll he'll encourage that and try and give give you guys a platform. And that was if if Bobby said no, that that whole show wouldn't have uh, got underway. So. That basically became a platform for me to, you know, develop my skills and develop my sort of uh, confidence in speaking. And I'm not by far I'm not a fantastic podcast speaker, even now. But uh, was able to develop all the things surrounding making up a podcast. And by getting other reporters on, it sort of gave them a chance to have a taste of that. And you know, you guys are trying trying that out now, and um, it's fantastic, really. So yeah. In terms of local reporters, you know, all of them play their part and fair play to them. Even um, who was the uh, Illawarra Mercury reporter? Or was it <laughs> Mitch Cohen? Mitch Cohen, of course. Mitch Cohen. Yeah. He he, yeah. he came one a few times as well. So uh, he was a he's a great lover of uh, soccer and horse racing, which he's now covering full time for RaceNet, I believe. He came on a few times, and I really appreciate his his uh, efforts to support the show as well because he, you know, was doing it for free, taking time out t- taking time out from his job to come on and support the show as well. So, no, nah, that was all fantastic. 
Yeah, well, it's just the same with this show as well. None of, none of us, we all do it for free. We all do it for the love. We all do it because we love the game around here and we want it to be as big as it can be, which is, well, it's, it's, the, right, it's the right way. If you don't have the right uh, intentions for it, then there's no point doing something like this show right now or the FSC Weekly. I want to ask you as well, Forgive me if your if you cut if your memory fades a little about it a little bit, but what's your favourite memory from the show? I remember uh, getting cooped up for in a car with one of the co- one of the coaches to record one of the episodes, um, oh. <laughs> which was funny. Usually we do it at, in at the football south coast offices, but uh, we did this just for training once, um, and that was that was a funny memory. Um, of there was one one special we did for grand final week where I basically on grand final launch I just took a microphone in, uh, my recorder in and just interviewed a whole bunch of people and put together a podcast out of that which was an interesting an interesting thing um, but it's 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 hard to say it's hard to say um, you know best memory from it because it was it was just overall a very positive experience because generally I was learning stuff from from people that have been in the game for a long time whether it be people that have been in the game broader than the LOR or people that have been playing and coaching in the LOR for a long time so I'd like to think that every week I was learning one or two at least one or two new things um so yeah but uh in terms of funny moments the the in-car recordings were uh were were a bit of a laugh now, one more debut, one more local debut, and I'm going to put this back on Dylan. This is the Dylan Arvella Piss Take Show Not now. Sure. I'll bring this back to your commentary debut. Do you remember this game? Oh, far out. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, what game was this? Uh, Bulleye, Bulleye Olympic 2017, round 22, Two. Bulls Paddock. Unbelievable. 1v2 championship decider on the final day of the season. You couldn't script it. You couldn't no, script you couldn't. it. It was uh, probably the most anticipated uh, regular season game in, in years. Yeah, they even, because obviously the last round, all the teams play at the same time, but they, this was an exception. They adjusted this round so that this game was a standalone game so people could actually go and watch it. It was that big of a game. And I remember playing the game before, the youth grade game before that. And as the game, that game wore on and more and more, more people started packing the stands and it was just fantastic to see. But Bulleye did win the league that day and you made your commentary debut alongside Simon. So Bulleye took the lead through your mate Dylan Lewis. And I remember when, come second half, Olympic were pushing so hard for a goal in the second half. And in front of the Roy Hancock stand, I'll never forget that goal mouse scramble. There was dust flying up. Yuya Kawada and Tenji, Kenji Takahashi were in the mix of it. Everyone had their hands on deck. And somehow Bulleye managed to keep that ball out. There was calls that the ball went over the line, but in the end, the they cleared the ball. The Bulleye defense desperately stopped that ball. And it was like almost like a ball fight for a per- that period of 10 seconds. It was just so, like, 110%. And it was just... Well, I went on to win the league after that, but that period of 10 seconds in front of that goal mouth, dust flying up, that was my most vivid memory of that day. What's what's your most vivid memory of that day, Dill? Have I told you the story about that? Or not? No, please tell us. All right, well, 
that day I'd been drinking a lot of water because I was nervous uh-huh. and whatnot. And in the second half, I, I needed to go to the toilet. Um, yep. And I held on, held on. And there was a the period leading up to that, the four or five minutes leading up to that scramble, it was relatively quiet. And I just had to put a note to Simon saying, cover me for a minute or two, I'm going to the toilet. And of yep. course, we were on the the balcony of the the preschool there, um, which obviously was empty at the time. But I, the only toilets I could find were these little preschool toilets that, oh. <laughs> that were in there. So, uh, so I uh, go to the I go to the bathroom there quickly. You know, this whole building's empty. So, and then I start hearing this yelling outside, and I'm thinking to myself, far out. Out of all the all the time that I could have gone to the toilet, something something major's happened. Then I come back out, and Simon's sitting there speechless. I sort of, and I say to him, "What happened?" He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> and, I was like, um, and then yeah, that was obviously you know everyone's got their own thoughts on it. A lot of people say it went over the line, including the people that were behind the thing. But obviously, from a video. Which wasn't. It was the first time we've ever live streamed a thing, and then it was. It was a bit of a. It was a great experience, but it was a bit, a bit all over the place because we didn't really know what we were doing. We ended up using my phone, my phone's hotspot as the Wi-Fi for it because we couldn't connect. Oh. We couldn't connect to Bulleye's Wi-Fi properly. Um, but that that uh, it was it was a great. Uh, it was like I said, great experience. Even though I didn't know that the the recording of it was a bit was a bit uh, dodgy, but the actual, the audio came across all right. And, um, you know, that led to, you know, last year's grand final, which was a much more professional job. Tim and Nathan had to go on the younger grades, which they did a tremendous job. And I did the first grade game, which, you know, was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, but yeah, that, that basically all starts started from, from that that day and it was a tremendous day with tremendous occasion there was probably a thousand people on the ground i think well i also i'm not a hundred percent sure if they opened the gates but i think it was something maybe it was instead of the admission being five like five dollars or whatever it is to get in it, it was, was a gold coin donation, gold coin donation to beyond blue beyond blue yeah yeah a charity of that sort and um which was tremendous on their part uh, because obviously they would have taken a massive gate. They would have got plenty of money from the canine. And um, I remember the the big moment in that game actually was Yusuke Ueda missed a one-on-one chance after Yuyakawada stuffed up a goal kick when the score mm. was still nil all in the first half. And that was a massive moment. And um, yeah, Dill scored that goal. Harry Callahan linked up with him for a very nice goal. Uh, in the second, early in the second half, and you know the rest is history. And from that game, Olympic really they had a lot of injuries. They picked up a suspension from that match as well, and they lost six one or six nil in the. Oh, uh, six one in the first week of the finals, and then they fell out. They got two early suspensions in the second week of the finals against two early red cards in the second week of the finals against Paul Campbell and lost to them. And we were just talking about Paul Campbell v. Campbell or Fury earlier, and that was that same final series. So it was pretty uh, – it was a day that had a lot of consequences because losing that – basically Olympic put it all on the line for that match. Um, and in the end, they, they lost it. And I guess 
lost their lost their bundle mentally, but also because they had the suspensions and injuries that had just uh, played their part. Because there was a lot of talk during the week about their star defender Jack Keating not being one hundred percent fit, and basically he he got through that game, but um, he didn't play the next week because of because of injury. Because so it just shows that he wasn't fit for that particular game, and whether that would have made a difference, who knows? But yeah, tremendous tremendous day. Some fond memories over the years, talking about debuts and well, famous games over the last couple of years, but that's our local debuts segment. Coming up next, our experience with debuts. Now, that one will be a little bit interesting. We'll see how we go with this one. But stay tuned, South Coast Footballholic, coming up. Timothy Gibson, I want to know, right? I want to know your most famous debut. The most famous one. I've had, I've had uh, quite a few decent debuts, but I will tell you the uh, the most famous one. So, uh, back when I was playing uh, in the the in the Sutherland Shire for Bosco FC, the, oh. so uh, opening day of the season, my, my first uh, first game with the new club uh, against the Loftus Rovers, a team that last year they were. Uh, Fighting within Division Two, um, it was a bit of a rivalry there. I remember it was on the election day in in 2013 at the Warrnambool Heights Oval. I um, scored a hat trick, which was oh. uh, which is uh, which was pretty nice. So um, you would have been about 10 years old. No, mate. Oh, mate. No, I was, uh, I was 13. I just turned 13. In what year? 2013. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What year were you born? May have done my maths wrong. May, may have done my maths wrong here, guys. Oh. May have done my maths wrong. What what year would it be? 2014, 2015? Now, aren't you? Yeah. 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 You do. Let loose. Let loose on him. You would have been 11 years old, Tim. Get your facts right. What's going on? Well, add a couple of years and that's fine. Okay. So you, mem- are you saying this is 2015 or? I think so. I can't remember. You I don't know. <laughs> yep. Oh. It's too long ago, mate. Anyways. Uh, right. Let me, let me get back to the important stuff, all right? I wasn't good Go at maths. So uh, my first goal I score is we, we make a play down the right-hand side. Uh, the other striker has a shot. Easy uh, easy tap in for the uh, for first-time finish into the far corner. Which, uh, I can't remember the second goal. I have no recollection. Nice. <laughs> it, it was a goal. Um, and then the, the third goal was a penalty. Originally, I, um, I didn't take the penalty, so it got given. Our other striker stepped up and he ballooned it like so far over it was ridiculous. But it got brought back because apparently the keeper had come off his line by a, a fair distance, so it was my go. And um, I stepped up, I, I hit the target. It probably went about thirty centimeters away from the goalkeeper's hand. It, it was down the middle, essentially. But um, yeah, no, got a, got away with it in the end. It went in the goal, and uh, that was my hat trick completed. How's that? Where'd you play? I was I was up front that game, yeah. Okay, but we did finish the season in, uh, I think we were last or second last. We got we got smashed, right. but we beat this slot four 0 so uh, that was good. So you saved the best for the start, did you? Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty much it, mate. I was uh, the top goal scorer with five goals that season, so that probably tells you a lot of and our issues. Scored, and you scored three of them in your debut. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> One game wonder. What's your next debut? So um, I'll go to the the year before when, when you're uh, in under ten. <laughs> well, 
interestingly enough, I was playing under 13s again because I played a year up because I didn't okay. have enough people. Oh, hero, calm down. <laughs> so it was the, the under 13 Ds for. Uh, <laughs> um, Go on. Yeah, so, uh, anyways. I was uh, I was pretty bad to be honest. I j- that was my first year playing on full field, playing. Um, uh, so so they put me up front where you put all the uh, the, the not too good players in juniors, and um, anyways, uh, we we beat the team like seven two. And I remember I did I scored a goal, but um, what happened was so it was it was an easy tap in. So the ball it was sweaty to me, it cut back easy. No goalkeeper, but oh. I remember I took a touch because I was I wanted to make absolutely certain I scored. They ended up hitting the defender on the line's hand, and it went in anyways. So, oh. so it just went over the line. I, I got away with it a bit there, but yeah, um, so, but I did go on that season though to score twenty two goals, which was a decent return in the uh, in the under thirteens. And the year after, you scored five when you're a year older. No, it's the other way. So I played this year, and then I played. The uh, so I played D's and then I came back and played the same age group again because I played a year up the first year. Yes, but yeah. I'm saying the second year you scored less goals. Yes, it was it was well it was four to three divisions higher, but like yeah, it was oh. pretty bad. Yeah, we didn't okay. we didn't do too well. Yeah. So you applied your trade in the D's, got three divisions, and then one good game, and then. Nothing for the rest of the year, is that right? I mean, I did score a pretty good goal at top of the box, cut inside, top bins. That was pretty nice. That was in, oh, I think cool. we lost 4-1 that game. Um, it wasn't, it, we just ended up getting smashed and it was like 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. Um, yeah, the, this game was the only game we won the whole year. The uh, What? Yeah. That's disappointing. Well, yeah, we, we weren't very good. Um, it was a learning experience for the team. That's what all teams who get whacked every week say. Well, Dill, what is your <laughs> debut? There is literally no evidence of this. He could say anything, and we wouldn't be able to call him out on it. So, yet, and yet we still have. What a Maybe. segment. These are entirely accurate. I don't know what he's saying. Um, see, with my ones, I got Dill to back up on it because he was actually there for some of these ones. But Dill, go on with your debuts. So, really, my footballing career isn't too tremendous. So I've played juniors, most of my juniors for Albion Park. Played a year. What for about your reporting debut? Oh, well, we can get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, most of Albion Park, one year with Dabdo, and my last year in juniors, which was after my first year of district or youth grade, was with Shell Harbour. Um, but yeah, nothing really to write home about. I can't even remember a debut for any of them. To be fair, <laughs> maybe I didn't play. Um, I remember because I was a goalkeeper for most of my playing days. My first, oh, but in under thirteens, no, under twelves, the last game of the season, our goalkeeper broke his hand, and I was playing up front with a a, a guy called Nathan Texera, uh, who scored about twenty goals that year, and I'd scored one. So. <laughs> I remember you so saying that. Our, our goalkeeper broke his hand or wrist or something like that, and I went in goals. Um, did okay against a good lakeside side. I think we lost 5 0, but I only considered one or two. They had a guy up front who a lot of juniors would know, a lot of players my age would know. I forget his actual name, but everyone called him Happy. Uh, yeah. He went on to play maybe Cringilla in, in the Premier League. Um, but. Uh, 
And then, yeah, the next year, in under-13s, won the grand final. Got me in the match in the grand final, which was an emotional emotional moment in my life. It's not uh, a debut, mate. doesn't count. Oh, well. Yeah. Mate, <laughs> you just talked about, you know, your whole under-7s career up in <laughs> the Miranda Magpies. I'm just going to elaborate. <laughs> no, mate, don't uh, like the Magpies. Don't like them, mate. No way. What was your first, what was your reporting debut, Tim? Or game? Oh, you, it was. Uh, I actually wrote this down. It was Unidera Berkeley 2018 round one. Yeah, oh, blockbuster. No, no, no. But the reason I remember it is remember Wait, hold uh, on, I got hold the on, quote. Unidera Berkeley would have been, it was a 1 0 to Unidera? 2 1. Yeah, because Berkeley didn't win for for Youngs, didn't they? Yes. That, oh, I know. I didn't. No, I think Ber- no, Berkeley won 2 1. Luke Luke Bosma scored. Do you have the yeah. match report in front of you? I don't. I have looked at it today, though, to be fair. But no. the reason I remember it is because um, I wrote this. The ball sat up nicely for Matthew Mears around 20 yards out because I didn't know which country we were in. But the shot was well oh. over. And more of a worry for the car owners who parked their cars in the street behind the goal than Georgievsky. That's Lucky uh, you've come a long way in your reporting it was at um, Unendera Oval. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that one. Yes. All right. So, Dylan, is that your debut? Have you got any more? Or what about your reporting debut? Do you remember your reporting debut? Uh, well, my first match reports were for the Frat Cup in 2017. The first yep. day I did, first game was Helensburg v. Belambi. Helensburg won 1-0. Brad Boardman scored. Then after that game was Coromore v Carolina with newly promoted Coromore winning 1-0. Save Trinacy scoring the goal there. Uh, but my first league game was the district game that year. The IPL got washed out that first weekend, but there was a few district league games that went down, and I went to watch Coniston v Bowgownie. It was Coniston's first game back in the district league. Yep. And Dinko Terzik scored the winner in a 1-0 win. And my headline for that particular game, because the goalkeeper for Coniston, Alex Mackin, was probably man of the match. My headline was Coniston, Mackin, a good start. Oh, ho, 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 ho. God, lucky that, good to see you've progressed as a reporter as well with terrible, terrible dad jokes like that. Yeah, well, that was an Don't interesting, that was an interesting, uh, interesting day. I'm just looking, I've got the team sheet up uh, here. And looking at this Coniston side, I think the only players from that Coniston side that are still with Coniston are Frank Piero and Rory Evans. Well, there you go. The, from all the way from District League back up to Premier League and to a Frat Cup final that never, unfortunately, never eventuated. May this or may not happen. Season. May or may not. So officially, it's officially postponed. So, we'll see. Yep, so you never know. That might be the only football we get in this year. Yeah. Just that one track up final. Yeah. Who knows? But I'll move on to some of my debuts now. So first one's my uh, under-18s debut for Albion Park, White Eagles. So this was back in – this was a pre-season cup in 2015. I was 15 at the time and it was a Tuesday night against Paul Kembla at Wetherill Park and – this Paul Kembla team we came up against had a couple of future first graders in it. 
two most notable ones were Bailey Fleming, who I actually went to primary school with back in the day. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I believe I was marking Sandy Lowcock that night. He was their striker back in 2015, which is a while ago now. But, um, yeah, Sandy was – he was a handful. But uh, we went on to win 2-0 that night, which is – it was actually a really good win for us because a lot of us were like 15 – I think one of us was even 14, just scraped into the age bracket. Uh, Who would have been the, 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 bet, the players that have gone on to do the most out of that under-18 team at Albion Park? From Albion Park? Oh, got to look at it now. I'm going to think who's played in that team. Not many of them are around there. Uh, one I want to mention, one of my best mates, Chris Rostevsky, he was that 14-year-old. Yeah. He He's still at Albion Park to this day in that team. Five years on, he's still playing for their under-20s. He's their captain for their under-20s. Do you just want to know one thing about Chris Rosevsky? Go for it. I coached him in under-13s at Shalaba. Did you really? I he's did. one of my best mates now. Chris Rosevsky is a, he's a skillful player. He was a, he was a uh, one of the best players in Shalaba. Shalaba's under-13s that year. Um, yep. And, uh, no, he's a, he's a good kid. And in a couple of years' time, he'll be a, should be playing Premier League. There's plenty of talent. Yeah, no, he's um, he was that fourteen-year-old playing. I believe he was fourteen at the start, playing under 18s. He turned fifteen that year. But one memory I do have from that night, it was a bit eight o'clock kickoff, so the lights were out, the floodlights were up, and everything. I just remember walking out of the Wetherill Park tunnels down to that little concrete path where you walk onto the pitch. I just vividly remember walking out under the floodlights, and I just you, you just you know you have that feeling where it's like you know it's going to be a good night, you know something's going to go right tonight. It was just that feeling you got going out there. But um, my next debut was actually that same year when I was 15. It was my youth grade debut, though. But at the time, it was under 21s. This is when youth grade, the middle grade was under 21s. And uh, I was playing under 18s that morning, still 15 at the time. And then I just get a tap on the shoulder at halftime saying, like, yeah, you're on the bench for youth grade after this. I was, like, standing there just thinking, like, you know, what the hell? I'm I'm a 15 year old, and you're going to stick me up against up against men. Some of them were like six years older than me, which was at the time it was massive, like for a young young kid in my age. And just um, I remember our youth group they were playing Shell Cove at Terry Reserve, and Shell Cove were at the bottom of the table at the time. So if there was any time to play a young kid like me, then like that was the game. But I got on with about 10 minutes to go. And funnily enough, I actually got my first ever yellow card that game. Oh. The the guy, I was playing left back. I got stuck on left back for 10 minutes. And this guy, he's trying to take me on. He's tapped the ball past me. And I was just like, oh, what the frig. If, if that ball's going past me, this guy isn't. So I just got in the way, barged each other over. And then it was probably my first challenge of the game too. And the ref just pulled out a yellow card. And um but that game finished, like, Shell Cove weren't very good that year. The game finished 9-0, so mm. it's probably the best possible game to stick a 15-year-old. But um, that was my second debut. And now, Dylan, I think you know what I'm, my, my next debut is going to be. It's probably going to be your first grade debut for flying. It probably is. You got it spot on. You were there that night. So, you know, you know how big this night was for the club in general. I'll never forget this night. It was... 15th of July, 2018, and we were playing at William Lawson Park. So I was, oh, this was a couple of years later. I was 18 at the time, and yeah. So, Dill, you were up there 
with us as well. You were doing that match report that night. What uh, what are some of your memories from that night? Uh, baby flame strike gold in prospect. There's a headline for that. Yes, one. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that headline. Uh, Never so, forget that headline. So we had um, the flame because I was doing media work for Flame that year, their inaugural year, and there was a a few injuries and suspensions led to, I believe, someone got a got injured in the warm up as well that led to yourself and Daniel Lucas making your debuts together. At centre back, because I believe it was only was it only meant to be one of you that were going to be starting, and the other was going to be on the bench. I'll I'll tell you the story about that. Actually, that that so what happened was I was driving up. I believe Daniel was meant to be starting, and I like I had no idea. I was I was actually halfway up Mount Usley with my family. I was getting ready to play twenties, and then I'll get a call from Neil Maneff, and he's just. He's just like, like, yeah, Grant Wilson's put up, saw your your starting first grade, and I was just, mm. I was just sitting there. I was just like, like you, you're kidding, right? That's just coming out of nowhere. Like I hadn't had a proper session with him or anything, and I just thought like this is coming out of the blue. Like it was awesome. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like kind of hit me by surprise. Like I was getting ready for to play the under twenties because that game was crucial as well. That was a must win game for the twenties, yeah. and. Uh, and uh, Dan, Dan, and, Dan and I, uh, Dan was the captain, I was the vice captain. So you had both of us taken out of the team. And good old Paul Radard started both of us in the heart of defence in a first grade game against the uh, top four side at that time. So it was quite memorable. I reckon it, in my, it was my most favourite night on a football pitch. But yeah, I had no idea what was happening until... I was halfway up Mount Usley. It was just, it just hit me, just like, well, you know, everything you've worked or worked for, or like the whole year is finally coming, come to fruition. Like this is your chance, so take it. Mm. So, um, yeah, everything. Like when I got there, I got there in time for the twenty, an hour before the twenties game. So I still had like two hours before we had to go in the sheds, and everything started to hit home when we walked into the sheds. It was like, oh yeah, you know, getting real. And we warmed up behind one of the goals and it was still nil-nil in the 20s. So I was thinking, like, I hope we snag a winner here. And uh, we, so we were warming up and I remember turning around and it was the stoppage time in that game. And I just remember seeing the ball bobbling into our net in mm. the 20s. And I just turned around and we ended up, ended up losing that game 1-0. And I just turned around and I thought, me, I need to make up for this now. So we get out onto the field and I'm razor blades like kickoff comes but uh my nerves ease pretty quickly because one of the guys we mentioned earlier Caleb Grace he put us in front one nil but a half hour later prospect equalized one one but you know this this next story deal a couple of people don't so not long after that goal I went in for a tackle with my left foot but um as I connected with the tackle my knee had a little jerk so it was kind of like twisted a little bit and then I put pressure on it. I was just like living for a good couple of minutes. I just thought, no, 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 can't end like this. Like, surely this isn't happening. So eventually the adrenaline came in and then it all went away. But didn't feel the pain again until about half time when I just stopped moving. And then, because it was a cold night as well. So mm. I just stopped moving. I started feeling the knee a bit. But then once the second half got going, it was all right after that. But the thing is, that whole second half, now, 
we had Dan Lucas and me. We we're in the heart of defense, just fresh baby face kids just getting shoved into the first grade. And that whole second half, we were just defending, 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 defending. Matty White was immense, and so was Dan on his debut as well. So, And uh, I remember, Dill, you were right behind the goal, pushing us on. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, was that? It was tremendous. I've I'm, I'm just got the report up now. So this is the opening paragraph. South Coast Flame fielded their youngest ever lineup away to fourth place prospect United on Saturday night with the side able to pull off a remarkable 2-1 win. Admittedly, United were without captain Thomas Kuzanek and key forward Nick Voljak. However, Flame coach Paul Robard was without a string of first graders, which saw the average age of the matchday squad drop to 19 years of age, with 11 of the 16 squad members 20 years old or younger. So incredible. And I'll just I'll go through that team. Matt White, who was I think 24, 25 at the time, obviously, the and the captain. Cameron Hansen, who would have been 20, maybe. Dan Lucas and yourself. Martin Thompson, who I think was still maybe he 19 was or 18. 18. Mm-hmm. Bova, Andrew Bova, 18. Wade, who was maybe still a teenager. Caleb, who was 17. Dion Strzelski was 21. Julio, who was still... Mashaba, who was still a teenager. Lewis Connell, who was still a teenager. Still a teenager. Like, if you take um, Matt White out of that side, I think... Now, Joe, on the bench. Uh, no, no Jones on the bench. It was no Jones? Groom, Brennan Groom, Andrew Christie, Jaden Nikoloski. Christie didn't start because I think he was also injured. He was coming back from injury. Yeah. He played the 20s. So, yeah, Jaden Nikoloski, Ato Sato, and Ben Lucas. Who Chris, most of them were teenagers yeah. as well. Um, and basically, yeah, that that second half was basically a back back to the wall job. And then 84th minute. Dion Strzelski stood up um, and scored what could be argued was the Flames' best goal that year, which was about a 30-yard thunderbastard past <laughs> the, the uh, prospect goalkeeper to win the game 2-1. I remember that second half. Like I, I just kept thinking and wondering, like, oh, my God, how are we going to stop this barrage? Like It was never-ending. And then it got worse Like before that goal, or was it just after the goal? When uh, Cameron Hansen he got his second yellow and got sent off, but none of us could remember him getting his first yellow. I think it was after, just directly after. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was just after that that goal, yeah. which was yeah, I got the best view of that as well. I remember just getting the ball, beating half their team, and just whacking it to the top but left. The hand, I just... His second yellow card it was obviously put put us down to ten. 10 players, but it was... Yeah. He was running into the box and would have got a good chance to cut back and score. So it was a pretty important uh, foul to give away, even though it did put the side under pressure. I think, you know, it obviously led to a bit of a reshuffle. Um, I got the quotes from Paul from after the game as well. Uh, All the young kids stood up today and took accountability. They stuck to the game plan and they delivered a great result in the end. They... Lucas and Pollard held held up play when they needed to. They won a lot of balls. Always an option to play out from the back. And when we won the ball, back when we won the ball, and very composed for two guys on their debut, it was awesome. So yeah, it was obviously you know the season as a whole wasn't how Flame really wanted it to end up. But for, considering how young the side was for most of the games to come that close to the finals 
was, you know, a pretty positive experience. And I think that oh, I can't speak for everyone, but I think most of the players will be able to have uh, picked pick, picked up positive experiences throughout that season, such as uh, such as you know that that evening at uh, William Wilson Park. That, yeah, that was just an enjoyable year in general. Like we didn't win anything, but it was just enjoyable. Like everyone around there, but. Yeah, so we won two one, but you know what my most my favorite moment that night was still? Oh, it was end of end of the game, full time whistle blow and I turn around and he's whitey. Just embraced each other and then out of nowhere a certain Dylan Arvella just jumps <laughs> the fence and joins in with us. Yeah, do you well, remember that? I do. Yeah, I was, that, huh? I was good. That's what it's that's what it's about. Those uh those moments are, are very memorable. So, um, no, I think uh, somewhere on the South Coast Flame Twitter page will be a photo of you and yes, you and Lucas as well. Yeah, I still got that photo saved. It's uh, yeah, like I said, I'll never forget that night. You can only have one first grade debut, and I'm glad that one was mine. So, what's your memory from that night, Tim? Ha <laughs> ha! He was in the womb. <laughs> uh, I don't remember anything. I remember your your uh, report though, and I remember listening to Paul Robard's interview, and he was um he was he was delighted with it. I've never seen a, a coach so happy to uh, to win a game of football. So it must have been pretty special was, for, uh, for everyone involved. He came fourth, so they were they were they were one of the better teams in the comp. Well, well, so prospect were prospect were the reason that Central Coast United didn't get promoted that year because they. I think they drew with them that last round, and then that meant that Bankstown United went MPL three. So they were, you know, good. So it wasn't like you, it wasn't like we were playing uh, Garzy Auburn or something. No, we were playing a full on top four side. They were expected to just walk all over us, full strength or not. But um, that was fantastic. You got any more stories from that night, Dill? Anything from your perspective? Uh, I've got a couple of uh, other flame debuts. Uh, yeah, go on, go on. The first one was Matt White in round one um, against Balmain. Flame won five nil, but Matt White probably made just as many, um, you know, match winning saves in that game. It could have been six five if it wasn't for him, and he was tremendous on his debut. Obviously, it was everyone's debut as as captain as well. And the other one is. About halfway for the season, Lewis Connell joins and came off the bench to score. Was it a winner? Was it the yes. winner against um, Condors? Condors, yeah. yeah Condors he played probably the worst field I've ever seen. I walked out onto the field before the game and I rolled my ankle on this sand pitch, and I'm thinking I was on fire out. And mm. uh, but yeah, Lewis made a massive difference that day. And he yeah, a, he, he scored. He scored in the twenties as well when we won that game as well. We, but that was just one of those days where you saw. Turn up, get the points, and get the hell out of there because it was just one of those fields. Yeah, yeah. it was two one. First grade. Yeah, first grade was two one, I think. Yeah, it might have been, th- or it might have been three two. I know it was a one goal difference, and he scored late. But I do remember that interview as well. I do remember listening to that interview. So, um, Lewis, yeah, I still keep in contact with him. We had some uni classes together. He's a top top bloke, Lewis, and he's still at the Flame today. Him and Sandy Loco go front. If they if they gel, you never know. Because Matt, yeah, I'm just looking back through the Twitter, 
and maybe we didn't maybe i posted it on my twitter that picture because i can't find it oh no here it is what about these young two flamers Daniel Lucas, 20, Jared Plus, oh. 18, stepped up for their first grade debuts and they put in an ex- exceptional performance at the heart of the defence. You're too kind. And then, because uh, Matt Mazowski, who I think... It's he didn't play that night either. Yeah, because he was over in Thailand in, for football. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think it's fair to say he's, he was his Flames, was yeah. Flames' best player. In terms of ability, and still is arguably well. We not arguably for me. I think he still is. Um, so that, like he was a massive player to have out of that that side that day as well. Um, yeah. But no, plenty of interesting memories. Just looking back through the Twitter Twitter feed, then. Um, I'm just, here we go. Goal eighty four. Dion Strzelski has scored a scream. Yeah. <laughs> too. Yeah. Right. I, never, I remember that same week as well. You actually brought me and Danny for a video interview about the 20s. And yeah. If you did it the week after, it would have been just even better. But uh, to talk about, so I'm just looking at the, um, I'm just looking at the graphic for the team lineups for that. We actually don't even have a picture of you. No, <laughs> we haven't had Daniel Lucas. Didn't even like Mark. So. Um, no, that, that just sort of shows how much of a surprise it was. That uh, yeah, I, I remember someone I knew shared the shared the post or something. Then one of my family friends put a comment that says, it's "Just like they'll know his picture now." <laughs> so, but yeah, no, some good, times. good good trip down memory lane that was. That's what this podcast does to you. What a fantastic show this is. But unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. Dill, thanks again for. Coming on, sharing some of our fondest memories of debuts. No worries. Nostalgia is what we need to get through this time. So cheers for having yeah. me on and uh, stay safe. Yeah, you too. Timmy, stay safe as well. Thanks for your silence in the last half an hour. No worries, mate. Uh, obviously happy to contribute when I can. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm, first thing I'm doing now, as soon as this is done, I'm going to search up Bosco FC. Wait <laughs> to see if they're a real team. Yeah, and uh, I can um, I have the yearbook somewhere. <laughs> yes, maybe a hat trick is on record. <laughs> they don't, they don't keep records. <laughs> oh, oh, how convenient! All right, <laughs> stay safe, everyone.